There's a big idea that I've been circling in my notes, and it's something that was always there, but I didn't have a name for it. It just kept coming up in, in different expressions or different ideas, and I finally I got a name for it. And as often as the case, once we have a name for something, we start seeing that thing more and more. Sometimes this uh, we overcorrect, and we see the name of the thing. We see the thing, and we think about the name in places that it isn't. But in this case, I think this idea is really important. And once we have a name for it, that'll help us identify it more because we need to see this. We're under indexing on this idea. And this idea is the jobs to be done framework. Jobs to be done is a powerful framework for thinking about how and why people select and neglect different options. Clayton Christensen told Mark Andreessen that understanding the job is the critical unit of analysis. In their podcast together, Andreessen went on to say that he's read about a thousand business books and all but two of them went straight to the shredder. The books that stuck with Mark Andreessen were uh, Clayton Christensen's book and, of course, he says Andy Grove's book. Before we get into jobs to be done examples, there's three ideas that we should address before we get into the cases. First, jobs to be done change slowly, but means may change quickly. We can think of the job to be done moving on an evolutionary timescale, and we can think of the means moving on a technological timescale. Social media, for example, is a means, and sharing is the job. The jokes, memes, politics, recipes, photos, and so on that people post to Facebook are the same thing they used to share in real life. Nothing has really changed, it's just faster. Second, metrics are precise but not necessarily correct. Some jobs are quantifiable, but many are not. The reason is that customers only count the perceived value. There are no metrics for happiness, satisfaction, delight, or loyalty, yet all of those things matter. Third, culture is an ecosystem. Just like different parts of the planet have the right environment for certain floral, fauna, and food chains, different companies will have the right culture for adapting, finding, and serving the job to be done. Ben Horowitz puts it best, your culture is what people will do when you don't tell them what to do. So if you don't have the right culture that looks for and seeks and finds and serves jobs to be done, you won't. We'll use many examples as an approach to recognizing jobs to be done. In the same way immersion teaches languages better than classrooms, we'll do a brief deep dive into jobs to be done. These examples should inspire. These examples should breed imitation and then innovation. Most problems that we face have already been solved before. They just haven't been solved by us. What makes jobs to be done so powerful is that small changes can lead to really large effects. Sometimes all that matters is a different phrase that reveals the job to be done and increases a customer's perceived value. Remember, it's not better products that people want, it's better solutions. So, let's get on to the cases. What looks, walks, and quacks like a duck, but isn't a duck. Chris Speak has worked with Bob Mesta for several years and told the origin story for when Mesta realized that though both were candy bars, Snickers and Milky Way were not competing products. You see, Mesta had recently left his job at Ford, and a friend of his worked for the Mars Candy Company. Come out to New Jersey and help us figure out how to raise Snickers and Milky Way sales, Bob's buddy offered. So Mesta boarded a plane for New Jersey. After a series of meetings, focus groups, brainstorms, and other best practice corporate innovation techniques, Mesta returned to the airport for his flight home, literally and figuratively empty-handed. The meeting didn't yield any ideas, and Mars needed ideas. They wanted a way to differentiate the two candy bars so one wouldn't cannibalize another and so they could accumulate additional shelf space. To solve his actual empty hands, Mesta queued up at the airport store, and who was in line in front of him but someone buying a Snickers bar? Like an anthropologist, Bob tracked the man to his gate, and once he sat down, Mesta plopped down next to him. Excuse me, we can imagine Bob asking. He seems impeccably polite. I noticed you bought a Snickers bar. 
From there, the colossal candy conversation commenced, and Mesta learned the job to be done. You see, people hire Snickers to satisfy, and people hire Milky Way to delight, though both chocolate bars each served different roles. The guy at the airport was hungry and didn't want to miss his flight waiting for food, so he bought a Snickers. The airport conversation was the first of many, seriously, many conversations Mesta would have. Bob saw the world through demand-side rather than supply-side innovation. He said, we over-engineer the crap out of stuff because we think about all the places it should go versus the places it will go. The success of Snickers had nothing to do with changing the bar's attributes, but with the consumer's attitudes. Snickers satiate. At the airport, and don't want to miss your flight? Grab a Snickers. Now you know why you're not you when you're hungry. Pour a glass, lace up shoes, or load the game? That's the question. Bob Mesta talks about jobs to be done a lot because he practices jobs to be done a lot. With experience in consumer, business-to-business, and governmental work, he's seen a lot. In a 2016 YouTube talk, he said this, Real growth comes from Xbox stealing from Nike. It comes from horizontal integration, not vertical integration. This insight came from one consumer who explained to Mesta that she hired bottles of wine, pints of ice cream, and running shoes for the same job. Her job was to unwind after work. Her means changed day to day, but the job did not. Competition, too, then, is in the eye of the beholder. Restaurants, for example, are one category, but only a handful of restaurants really compete with a handful of others. How often does fine dining compete with fast casual or fast food? Seldom or never. Or we can see that everything competes with Netflix and Netflix competes with everything. When Bob talked to that consumer, he saw how the means changed from day to day, but the real job to be done, the unwinding after work, was really consistent. And that's what he means by horizontal integration and getting a customer from someone else. I was in the moving business, not the building business. Mester first saw jobs to be done when he did the Snickers bar, but he really implemented jobs to be done when he built houses in a Detroit suburb. You see, Bob acted totally logically, and he asked people what they wanted. We'd like a large guest bedroom, they often told Mesta. That was easy enough. Bob made the change to his existing blueprints, and he started building buildings. But his new homes weren't selling. You see, Bob had asked the wrong question. He started with the what-do-you-want approach, figuring people knew what they wanted, but they didn't. He changed tactics and soon asked, what do you want and why? This question-answer-question part of jobs to be done takes a lot of practice, say practitioners. And Ryan Singer of Basecamp gives the best simple answer. It's like a friendly interrogation. Mesta's homes were good, but when people said that they wanted a larger guest room, they created what he calls the dining room table problem. You see, most of the customers were aging and they were downsizing, and that meant getting rid of the dining room table because this new home with the large guest room that they requested wasn't large enough. And those dining room tables were loaded with memories. They were scratched up from carving pumpkins. They held stains from cups of coffee and glasses of wine. Rolls of birthday pictures were snapped, and hundreds of slices of cake were scarfed on those dining room tables. It was hard to get rid of a dining room table. Mesta's homes were everything a buyer wanted, but the hurdle to get there was too high. Soon, Bob realized his problem. He said this, I figured out I was in the moving business, not the building business. And the more I understood I was in the moving business, the more I grew my company. What Bob did was he raised his price of his homes and included moving and two years of storage in the package. Now the dining room table had a temporary home until it found a permanent one. Bob's business took off. The mistake and correction made Bob an evangelist for jobs to be done. It wasn't just that people wanted to move, but they, they wanted an easy move. Bob said, I didn't understand the anxiety of packing a house up. Going into the basement was like going into an abyss. They'd walk out blubbering and crying because they've got to get rid of stuff. Bob's brilliance is in his curiosity, not his intellect. A demand-side approach requires empathy. 
A supply-side approach is misguided by ego. It was once Bob understood the real need of his customers, an easy move that accounted for the dining room table, that his business as a builder succeeded. Why do people hire Cinnabon? In 2010, Cat Cole became the president of Cinnabon, a subsidiary of Focus Brands. Only a year and a half into the financial crisis, and Cinnabon, rather than its customers, found itself in a sticky situation. Sales had slowed, foot patter petered out. In addition to the macro financial trends were the macro macro nutrition trends. People were now saying that maybe carbs and not fats were why people were overweight. Had Cole been an economist, she's not, she would have solved the jobs-to-be-done approach in an economic way. Smaller sizes, fewer calories at lower prices. Each attribute had a number that food scientists, logistics supervisors, and store managers could tweak. Like the dials on a machine, they just had to find the right economic settings for these economic conditions. But Cole wasn't an economist. She was a pragmatist. In one interview, she said this, there was all this research that sales went up with a lower calorie alternative. However, that's not our model. We're in infrequent venues like malls or airports. Our products are designed for the once in a while blow your socks off indulgence. This was a problem because an artificially sweetened roll wouldn't be as yummy and still had 599 calories. For context, the original Cinnabon had about 800 calories. You see, the Cinnabon job to be done is the same job to be done as birthday cakes. It's the same as girls' night out, and it's the same as Saturdays are for the boys. It's a treat. It's a delight. It doesn't need to be optimized. In fact, if it's slightly unoptimized, that might even be better. To see the contrast more clearly, imagine your family's invited to a summer celebration. There will be swimming, sangria, and sun. However, rather than apple pie or cherry pie, the host makes a quiche for dessert. What, they'd offer you. It still has a pie crust and the contents are full of healthy fats, proteins, and nutrients. Everyone should love this mixture of eggs, bacon, mushroom, and cheese. So, while that does sound good, that's not the job to be done of a summer dessert. And the job to be done of a Cinnabon was not to be cheap, it was not to be light, and it was not to be small, though, um, since they have introduced a smaller size. The job is the blow-your-socks-off job. It's one of many examples where the economist focuses on the numbers, while the pragmatist will focus on the job to be done. New Coke, Old Coke, Broke Coke, Bold Coke. Looking back, people see New Coke as a failure. What kind of idiots, we might wonder, would mess with the proven classic formula? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, those idiots had tinkered with the formula and introduced products like Diet Coke and Cherry Coke. The Coca-Cola executives of the 1980s were quite good at their job. They expanded the brand to the last parts of the world, competed with Pepsi, acquired local brands, and optimized global distribution. They were really good. But New Coke was not. The problem with New Coke, Chris Speak points out, is that it came about the wrong way. You see, in blind taste tests like the Pepsi Challenge, people have always preferred the sweeter Pepsi. I remember being surprised by this during a summer festival in Traverse City, Michigan. By then, New Coke had been retired, but the blind taste test technique was still alive. However, the whole context to a blind taste test is wrong. Pepsi Challenge participants gulped from paper cups rather than savored chilled bottles. My experience also included a snack of crackers between swigs. It was to cleanse the palate, they told us. Given those conditions, we chose Pepsi. But those conditions never exist. Speak said that this was a classic case of how not to do focus group research. The Pepsi Challenge offered plenty of numbers, but no job to be done. A better way would be for someone to watch a set of vending machines with opposite options. Upon a selection, our observer could settle up next to the customer and ask what led them to that choice. That gives context, and with context, we don't get the cheater, sweeter answer. Basecamp. Another job to be done advocate is Ryan Singer, who worked for Basecamp. We won't describe what Basecamp does because Basecamp doesn't always describe what they do. One example of this was an ad that featured this headline copy. 
we've been expecting you. The landing page that had that copy went on to explain this. All growing businesses run into the same fundamental problems. Hair on fire, buried under email, stuff everywhere. The good news? Basecamp solves them. The ad image featured a woman with her hair on fire, but no featured features. Filling a job rather than any job involves trade-offs. In a presentation, Singer noted how Basecamp differs from chat apps, storage services, and tic-tac task apps. Since he's worked with Mesta, Singer explains it in terms of the classic Snickers and Milky Way situation. The former is for calories and sustenance, whereas the latter is for delight and decadence. Singer put it this way, If you put caffeine in a Milky Way, it would be weird. But if you did that to a Snickers bar, people would at least consider it. That's a good technique. That's a good way of thinking about the job to be done. What's nice about listening to Singer about jobs to be done is his emphasis on the trade-offs involves. Mesta gave up bedroom room for dining room memories. Cinnabon neglected the health-conscious market. Software can be magical. The software that Singer works on is magical, but only for a certain job to be done. Why don't my pictures look as good as your friends? The idea before Instagram was a check-in app. This was a terrible idea at the time because check-in apps were popular. Developers Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger quickly pivoted to a photo-sharing app. And it was Systrom's girlfriend, eventually his wife, who prompted a question that led to a great job to be done. She said that she didn't think she'd use the photo-sharing service very much. Well, why? We can imagine him asking. Well, she said, they're not as good as your friend's Greg's pictures. Well, Kevin went on to explain, Greg uses a bunch of filter apps to make them look nice. Well, the girlfriend who became his wife said, you should probably add filters then. In their podcast with Patrick O'Shaughnessy, Sistrom and Krieger told him that there were three problems. People took bad photos, people had fragmented sharing options, and photos took too long to load. Keep in mind, this was the era of the Twitter fail whale. Filters, like the girlfriend suggested, solved the first problem. It was an elegant solution at a time when phone cameras were not that good. Sharing options solved the second, as connections to services were open as services tried to scale. Slow uploads were solved with a clever little trick, as System explained to Patrick, As you were captioning your photo, we would upload it in the background regardless of whether or not you completed it. If you spent five minutes on a caption, all that time your photo was uploading in the background. And when you click done, it says done. That little sleight of hand meant that Instagram felt enormously fast compared to all the other apps. What's notable about the three problems for this job was the perceived value Instagram delivered its users. Competition for an an app with filters and social was slim, and consumers compared Instagram's value to zero. For a business, that's a great contrast to have. As Instagram grew, technology changed, and users adapted. The job to be done remained the same, but the means migrated. Founders Systrom and Krieger recalled this particular case. It turned out that teen boys loved asking questions to their friends. They'd color out the background to a solid color, wouldn't even take a photo, and ask a question. One of our engineers had this insight to build a polling sticker for stories. I saw that and thought, I don't know, am I going to use that? But they said, trust us, the teens are going to love it. Day one, they launched it, and it was a hit. Instagram's job to be done is communication, and users want means the founders didn't use, predict, or even appreciate. The product evolution shows this shift. Static photos, sticker photos, stories, Instagram TV, all different means to solve the same job to be done. Another, what are the users doing, discovery, was an account that was uploading and deleting photos. At first glance, it looked like this account might be spam, but once they investigated, it was someone in Indonesia using Instagram as a storefront. They'd upload a photo, negotiate on price in the comments, and remove the photo when the item was sold. Instagram is an elegant product. It rode the social wave and had a lot of good luck. In some interviews, Systrom and Krieger attribute like half of their success to luck, but it also succeeded because they found a very clear job to be done and they serviced that job wonderfully. 
which diapers to buy. I was shocked when my wife and I left the hospital after our first daughter was born. There was no training for us, no warning, no checklist of things to do. Well, there might have been a checklist, but it was definitely buried in the diaper bag. Rental car agreements seem to take less time and require more proof of responsibility than leaving a hospital with a baby. I was 25 and along with my wife, thank goodness, was expected to keep another human alive. One of our decisions was which diapers to buy. Brand A, brand B, brand C, eh, I didn't know. So, like many others, when presented with options and not a lot of information, I used the Goldilocks rule. Choose the one with the medium price. A decade before I made my diaper choice, Procter & Gamble wanted to sell diapers in China. Figuring that the market was growing but had a very low per capita income, P&G just made a cheap version of Western Pampers. And guess what? The product stunk. Picture the last diaper advertising campaign you saw. It probably involved blue liquid poured into an open diaper. But absorption is not the job to be done of diapers. It's what the absorption allows. Happy babies. The Pampers assumption was that cheaper was better. But revising that assumption, they looked for the job to be done. They talked to mothers in China and found out that two things dominated their thoughts. More sleep for them and better sleep for their babies. So the Pampers response was to team up with the Beijing Children's Hospital Sleep Research Center. They put Pampers and different brands of diapers on babies and tracked thousands of babies and found that Pampers pampered babies fell asleep 30% faster and slept better and longer. Along with some macro trends like the one-child policy and an emphasis on the young development of babies, this combination of information and marketing worked. Pampers ended up calling it the Golden Sleep Campaign, and it led to them becoming becoming the market leader for diapers in China, despite being a new product. It's also a helpful reminder for the zero-sum nature of jobs. Once people hire one thing for a job, it often displaces another. In this instance, it displaced the split pants that parents used to use. Who buys a milkshake at 7 in the morning? McDonald's was curious. That's going to be a theme with demand-side innovation. Anytime customers act against a business's or a person's expectations, it means they're hacking your service to fit their job to be done. Like in Instagram, when the teen boys wouldn't even take a photo, that was hacking it. They were using it in a different way. So McDonald's was curious why 80% of their milkshakes sold each day were sold before 8.30 in the morning. Because they were curious, McDonald's hired Harvard Business School professor and Mesta collaborator Clayton Christensen, who, along with his team, which included Bob Mesta, sat around and counted people buying the shakes. They counted every visible metric, accumulating enough data, they ran a Harvard-type analysis, and the pattern was clear. There was no pattern. Reflecting on the analysis, Christensen noted about himself, There are all kinds of characteristics and attributes about me, but my characteristics and attributes have not yet caused me to buy the New York Times today. It's not the who that leads the job to be done, but the why. This is an idea that Christensen would go on to write about in his books like The Innovator's Dilemma and The Innovator's Solution. So, not sure why so many people were buying milkshakes in the morning, Christensen and his team headed back to the field and they talked with people. They couldn't just ask people, why did you hire this milkshake? Because in that context, that question doesn't make any sense. Mesta says his job to be done interviews now take about an hour. Christensen asked questions like, if you hadn't got a milkshake, what might you have got instead? and then asked about the differences between milkshakes and the alternatives. What Clayton and his team found surprised everyone. Milkshakes are full of calories, milkshakes are delicious, and most important to the people they talk to, milkshakes take a long time to drink. Christensen found that customers hired milkshakes because they had a long and boring drive to work. This means McDonald's doesn't only compete with other places slinging milkshakes through drive-thru windows, but anything that tastes good and reduces boredom. A homemade smoothie combined with a podcast also competes with the morning milkshake. No one sells a Tuesday night wine.
The most difficult businesses are the ones with the most skilled competitors. Basketball games in the NBA and YMCA are both basketball, but not really the same game. Generally, businesses that pay in profits and prestige attract the most competition. Movie making, for example. Sport team ownership, for example. Restaurants, for example. Also, making wine. Though, there may be as many wine makers as there are varieties of wine. Some in the industry just grow the grapes. Some buy and blend. Some just market well. Actually, all winemakers market well. Successful vineyards succeed not just because they have a good nose, but because they have an excellent mouth and tell a wonderful story. And like Instagram, it helps if the job to be done is unclaimed, so timing matters too. One wine that leaped into a job to be done role is Barefoot Wine. Started in 1986, the company began with a foreclosure and grassroots marketing campaign before that was even a thing. What founders Bonnie Harvey and Michael Houlihan did well was serve the job to be done. Houlihan explained in one interview that in the 1980s, wine-drinking Americans and wine-making Americans were apologizing for not being French enough. The wine at the time, he said, was a Saturday night wine where the men would sit around and talk about things like mid-notes. But it turned out the majority of wine buyers were a 37-year-old mom with two and a half kids pushing a cart down the supermarket aisle, and she wanted a Tuesday night wine. Harvey adds that, at the time, wine was intimidating. People couldn't pronounce the name on the labels. The wine market, like the morning milkshake, had untapped demand. With the attitudes of the day, we can imagine winemakers working against the market. Their Francophile fetish constricted sales. Harvey and Houlihan showed that people wanted simplicity. They wanted something easy to buy. We can retrace the steps that led to the first glass of barefoot wine, or the last glass for you and me, and we can see the obstacle on the job to be done path. Glasses of wine are preceded by bottles of wine that wait in stores full of overwhelming options. What do you choose? Winemakers have gotten better at this and realize the job to be done. They employ mouths to tell stories as well as tongues to taste grapes. They cover labels with animals and suggest food pairings. People now hire wine for all kinds of jobs to be done. And Barefoot led the way. Where are all the designers? Years ago, I wrote an ebook called 28 Lessons from Startups That Failed. It cataloged the post-mortem reflections from nearly 50 failed startups. And the biggest problem was basically, nobody wants this. There was no job to be done. Founders could and should have talked to the potential customers out there. The IDEO Design Studio offers an example of what good talking and listening looks like. When CEO Tim Brown gives tours, people often ask where the design teams are. They expect reality to be like commercials. Spartan offices, blocks of clay, walls of white, desks of pine. It's not like that at all, Brown says. The teams aren't isolated, they're implanted. He wrote in the book, Change by Design, walk into the offices of any of the world's leading design consultancies, and the first question is likely to be, where is everybody? Of course, many hours are spent in the model shop, in project rooms, and peering into computer monitors, but many more hours are spent out in the field and with the people who will ultimately benefit from our work. Even Steve Jobs, the man IDEO designed the first Apple Mouse for, the man who said customers don't know what they want until you show them, got feedback from his customers. Jobs and Apple didn't look for explicit feedback, like to make the dining room smaller, to make the guest bedroom larger. No, Apple looked for the latent needs of customers. What are the things a customer wants? It was in these needs that people find the job to be done. In addition to consulting, IDEO offers workshops on their approach. The IDEO way for a day. One exercise at a workshop is making a wallet for a partner. When most people are given a sheet of paper, they fold it exactly like an envelope. That may be what a wallet looks like, but it's not what a wallet does. Wallets have all kinds of jobs for us. Appearance, function, size, and so on. Expand the wallet to include the phone case, which has wallet-like aspects, and we see even more jobs to be done. Expand two to include a purse, a messenger bag, and a backpack, and there's a whole list of jobs. 
The point IDEO makes is that the wallet maker, that's the paper folder, needs to talk to their partner about why they need a wallet. It was January 15, 1998 that George Costanza told Jerry Seinfeld, I need everything in here. When they talk about the wallet that's so thick, it's giving Costanza back problems. Before digital, the job to be done of a wallet was as thick as a phone book. Decades later, and things have changed, though probably not for George. You got a skull for your brain, a plastic sleeve for your comb, and a wallet for your money. <laughs> Look at this thing. It's, it's huge. I need everything in there. Irish money. We don't make beer, we make friends. Another industry with a macro boost was the beer industry. From 1820 to 1870, the American population swelled to twice its size with nearly two-thirds of the immigrants from Germany and Ireland. This was good for beer makers like Anheuser-Busch founders Ebenhard Anheuser and Adolphus Busch. Though better for Bush, as Anheuser died a year after co-founding the company. It would be Adolphus who set the company up to survive anti-German sentiment during the World Wars. He did this with heavy pro-American advertising, through prohibition by making ice cream, and the Budweiser frogs, who set the legacy that the people who should market to 21 to 38-year-olds are marketers who are 21 to 38, or at least not 55. Gussie Bush, Adolphus's great-grandson, explained the job to be done of beer brewers. From the book Bitter Brew, it all went back to the beginning when his grandfather, Adolphus, first explained to his new partner and father-in-law, Ebenhard Anheuser, that their business was not just making beer. Making friends is our business, he said. Gussie had made that his motto. Rarely did he go a day without uttering it. Beer was a commodity. There was no pricing power. Anheuser-Busch saw this when they tried to raise their prices in the 1950s, and Schultz Brewing became the largest brewer by volume in the United States. Part of the reason Anheuser-Busch regained the lead was a switch to Norman Rockwell-like Saturday evening post-paintings. They showed families, couples, and neighbors laughing, smiling, and drinking Budweiser. Their job was to make friends. In some ways, our three profiled beverages followed similar paths. Coca-Cola in Atlanta, Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis, and Barefoot Wine in California. They all had good timing and minimal competition, and they all found a clear, strong, resonant marketing message that communicating the job to be done. Oh no, it broke again. Over time and across people, the job to be done changes slowly. One friend who invests in businesses said that the reason he invested in a pool installation company is because people have dipped their bodies in water for millennia. The way, the pool, the hot tub, the tub, the whirlpool, whatever, that'll change and vary across people and over time, but the job to be done won't. Because job to be done changes slowly, fast thinking can be forward thinking. Before Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman starred in Mythbusters, they were commercial, literally making commercials, artists. They created special effects to advertise the product du jour. In his book, Every Tool is a Hammer, Adam Savage writes about one difficult job for a toy company. They'd been contracted for a certain effect over a series of commercials, but it just wasn't working. It was being more stubborn than special. Savage wrote this, when it came time to set up for filming, a key component exploded into three separate pieces. It was immediately obvious to Jamie and me that the rig was DOA. According to the letter of the contract, Jamie and Adam failed the job to be done, but that's not right at all. A company didn't hire them for any particular effect so much as their expertise creating effects. With 40 people standing around getting paid, Heinemann solved the job to be done right on the spot. Savage explained, Jamie's response to this incredible pressure was both surprising and inspiring. He didn't show any emotion, neither perturbation nor anger, not even nonchalance. He just calmly looked at the producer and said, to get this done by the end of the day, I figure we have three options. Then he carefully laid out three brand new solutions, complete with the pros and cons for each as they related to the original storyboard. 
Thanks to a lot of practice, Heinemann found a solution to the job to be done. Jamie and Adam weren't hired for a particular ad, but a memorable one. That was the job. Pitching investments. Two things matter in the knowledge economy. Having good ideas and communicating them. As a quick side note, employees also hire employers to handle the legal, governmental, and coordination problems associated with work. The next time you're frustrated at work, remember that you've hired your boss for a job to be done that entrepreneurs handle on their own. Back to pitching investments. Investors and professors Paul Johnson and Paul Sonkin wrote a book about having and communicating good ideas. As Johnson noted in one interview, not getting an idea adopted into the portfolio is the equivalent of having no good ideas. Johnson recalls his uncle's advice. If a portfolio manager asks for a blue umbrella, don't bring them a red umbrella and tell them how dry it will keep them. The reason for the Paul's crusade is a mismatch of jobs to be done. For a manager, the job is a sound portfolio. For an analyst, the job is a good idea. To match these two jobs, Johnson suggests bringing up ideas sooner. He says to socialize the idea as early as possible, go in earlier than when you are done. It's taken a while to bring up, but it's an important point. Prototypes are very helpful, even crucial in the jobs-to-be-done approach. Because this is demand-side thinking, possible solutions come out of the oven half-baked. Innovators then need to solicit feedback and try the recipe again. For a cafeteria, this might mean asking people what foods they want and making samples and tracking consumption. For software, it means shipping an MVP and A-B testing. For investment analysis, it means asking questions about both the quantitative and qualitative aspects. And it means that investment managers have to give good feedback. Johnson said if you don't give feedback other than no, it's organizationally unacceptable. Though tucked away in a tiny acronym, we see again and again that jobs to be done is more of a philosophy of business than a silver bullet solution, and that it takes continuing work. Do you want the trip to be more comfortable or faster? One of the biggest obstacles to finding the job to be done is the difficulty in quantifying it. When jobs to be done is a marketplace of ideas, then the ideas with clear metrics tend to be adopted first, fastest, and most thoroughly. Sports have free throw percentage or batting average, and those are easy metrics. Investments have easy metrics too, like annualized rate of return. Travel has easy metrics, price, duration, stops. Sometimes these numbers matter, but sometimes they don't. Just because we can measure something doesn't mean we should. To riff on the classic line, what gets measured may not matter. Longer trips are sometimes even better trips. What matters is the quality of time, something difficult to quantify. Isn't half an hour working in the back of an Uber better than 20 minutes driving yourself through stop-and-go traffic? Yes, even though the trip is 50% longer. Rory Sutherland has emphasized this point. Sutherland's ethos is to find things that are important but not explicit. Don't assume that to change the consumer's perception of something, Sutherland says, you have to change the thing in reality. Or, put another way, reframing physical solutions can solve the job as they are. We don't have to pour new concrete. We don't have to lay new brick. We don't have to make any physical changes. We just have to explain things differently to consumers. Sutherland is fond of citing faster rail travel as a place where we may be optimizing something just because we can measure it. Rather than faster trains, Rory will say, make them more comfortable. However, these kinds of changes are hard to justify. People want to appear logical, post hoc ergo propter hoc, though that may not be a jobs to be done solution. Benefits, not specs. During my middle school days, I operated a paper route. It was a great route of about 60 duplexes and townhouses, a five minute bike ride from my childhood home. One perk of the route was looking through advertisements, and I remember seeking out the Best Buy ad and looking at all the emerging technology. Compact disc players advertised the length of the skip protection. Computers advertised RAM and hard drive size. Cameras advertised megapixels. Actually, this is kind of before cameras. During this phase of technology, maybe it made sense to educate the consumer. It was rational. But like Rory's trains, it was limited. 
In the book Insanely Simple, Ken Seagal writes about his time working at Apple, and one point of emphasis was the focus on the job to be done. Apple sold benefits, not specs. Apple computers were to think different. Steve Jobs famously said that people don't know what they want until you show them. Our interpretation of that is that Jobs knew the job to be done. Even today, if a business owner asks a customer what they want, the first answer is often for something to be cheaper, faster, or better, or ideally all three. In his work for Basecamp, Ryan Singer explains it this way. Even when the customer comes to us with requests with what they think they want, they express that in supply-side language. A button for this, sort like this, a calendar view. Those are all solutions, all supply-side language. So the work is to backtrack it into demand-side language. This is a particular solution, but it's all the context around the problem. Singer is pointing out that people know the end product that they want, but they don't necessarily know how to get there. Another famous expression that emphasizes this is that people don't want quarter-inch drill bits. They want quarter-inch holes. Making drill bits cheaper, faster, or better doesn't solve the job to be done. In fact, the focus on jobs led to the invention of something that didn't drill at all, the command brand plastic hooks. At the end of 2019, a glance at their website shows the focus on jobs to be done. Their website lists specs, in this case weight, but it also shows household items that weigh that amount. A bag of onions weighs about 3 pounds, a bag of potatoes about 5, a gallon of milk about 8. That's a jobs to be done approach. They realize that people don't necessarily care how much something weighs, but they do care about having something hang safely on the wall. By giving these regular household items, they provide some contacts for the consumer to hire command strips for the job to be done. I'm hiring you not to talk to me. Andy Ratcliffe is the co-founder of Wealthfront, a digitized financial service, hailed as part of the robo-advisor revolution. What Wealthfront and its peers do well is provide a new way to solve the same job. People hire money to serve as a consistent means of exchange, and people hire financial advisors, more on them later, to keep their money safe and sometimes to grow it. In the Jobs Have Be Done framework, the job hasn't changed, but the means have. It's a technology shift. Rakalip explained it this way to Jason Calacanis. What might surprise people is the thing that most attracts people to our service is we do everything in software. Merely supplementing with software, so still having a human involved, Rakalip went on, is great for baby boomers because baby boomers like to talk to people, but millennials pay us not to talk to them. The job to be done of Wealthfront and other services is advice and service, and different groups want the job to be done completed in different ways. Why did Penn Jillette hire Donald Trump? In his book, Presto, Penn Jillette does not have nice things to say about the apprentice star, Donald Trump. However, he points out that reality television has a certain job to do, and it may go unnoticed. Penn wrote this. On reality TV competition shows, there are always at least two competitions going on. There's the competition that the make-believe of the show, and there's the real competition that happens outside the TV show. Winning the make-believe competition does help with winning the real competition, but they're not the same. The real competition that Gillette writes about is to put butts in the seats in the Penn & Teller Theater in Las Vegas, Nevada. So Trump and Gillette, you're hired, hired each other for their own cause. Penn was hired to help the ratings of Trump's show, and Trump's show was hired to boost ticket sales to a Las Vegas attraction. Some people call this the meta-conversation, and it's worth being aware of. Financial television is sometimes criticized for its meta-conversation. In the same way that Trump and Gillette hired each other, advertising companies hire networks and networks hired advertisers with the implicit goal to keep things interesting. That's the job to be done. The Tasty Recipe It's amazing that the largest food entertainment company in the world is Tasty, a division of BuzzFeed. What Tasty executive Ashley McCollum figured out was that the internet had changed the job to be done of food preparation. In the past, brands advertised and people believed. 
If a restaurant said, our food is classic Italian and uses grandma's recipe from the homeland, people trusted the chef so long as the food was good. With the internet, though, we get a change. Online reviews allowed criticism that it was cottage cheese, not ricotta cheese, stuffing that pasta. McCollum's insight for Tasty came from the BuzzFeed data. People wanted social food, not social status food. People had hired television cooking shows to be aspirational, think Martha Stewart. But the job to be done shifted and drifted from aspiration to conversation. In one interview, McCollum said this, We look to make products the same way BuzzFeed looks to make content, to make it shareable. And she went on to explain, Our point of view on food is that it's about what you would want to tag your friends in and say, let's do this this weekend. Rather than seeing some fancy pants chef, the tasty recipe is POV simplicity. Looking back at the start, McCollum said, the start was rooted in the user. It was never about our authority. The start for Tasty was in the demand side, not the supply side. It was in the empathy of listening to what people wanted, rather than the ego to do what you think you do well. With their data and innovation, Tasty expanded to cookbooks, products, and as of this writing, a partnership with Walmart. Their first inductive cooktop sold out its first production run. Rather than a planning mistake, we may see this as a prototype model. Listen to your customers and test your understanding along the way. That'll help you figure out the real job to be done. Sabermetric savants. We'll discuss now one of the major aspects to consider when thinking about job to be done, the price. Cost matters when we choose a job. Later, we'll look at Club Crown and see how that job to be done costs too much. The group that demonstrates this idea best is the sabermetrics movement in sports. Popularized by the book Moneyball and movie with Brad Pitt, it's the idea that some methods for a job to be done are inexpensive relative to others, but that they provide the same job or even a better job sometimes. The main job, a supplemental job we'll cover next, of sports has always been to win. As Al Davis once said, just win, baby. Sports like baseball have a numerical fidelity, and so it was easy to count things like walks, home runs, steals, runs, and so on. Team managers could count these numbers, and better players earned more. Then a man named Bill James started counting too. What James noticed and shared with his handful of early readers was that walks and home runs both helped the team win. James's insight that was shared in Moneyball the book was that anything other than getting out in baseball was good for a batting team. There was no jobs to be done insight yet. The real revelation came when analysts looked at the salaries of the players. If Tom was great at drawing walks and Kevin was great at hitting home runs, then both would help the team win. However, almost always, Kevin's market salary was disproportionately larger. He cost more and didn't necessarily deliver more. The same thing happened in basketball and became visible on June 28, 2006, when Shane Battier was traded from the Memphis Grizzlies to the Houston Rockets basketball team. Though the stat analysis is different, the jobs to be done approach was the same. Battier was cheap for the output that he provided. Recall our morning milkshake or the idea that everything competes with Netflix. Both of those points emphasize the varied means for success. Sports, though, is one place where the means have been quantified and sorted by efficiency. However, sometimes sabermetric savants aren't enough. In his 2001 letter addressing the reinsurance business, investor Warren Buffett wrote this, After all, you only find out who is swimming naked when the tide goes out. At Berkshire, we retain our risks and depend on no one, and whatever the world's problems, our checks will clear. Buffett's point is that while the times are good, someone's flaws are overlooked. To put it another way, everyone looks like a genius investing in a bull market. Love covers a multitude of sins, and winning encourages neglect. It was Sam Hinkie who forgot the second, maybe the primary, job of sports. Sports are to entertain. Winning is one way to entertain, but having something to talk about is too. Consider the system around sports. There's preview shows, there's hot take shows, there's podcast shows, there's analysis shows, there's insider shows, there's outsider shows, and so on and so on. What Hinky forgot about was that sports survives on stories, and if you don't give people something to talk about, something to hope for, something to dream, then they'll start to dislike you. 
Here's how Haralabob Vulgaris summed up Hinky's hiccup. The problem with what he did was he alienated the media, which is what you don't want to do by not wanting to talk. It was kind of smart because as a gambler, if you know something, you don't want to tell everyone what you know. So he was really quiet about what his theories were. That's Hinky's theories. And um, Vulgaris used to be a gambler. Now he works in the NBA. But having that type of job is such a swarmy, handshake, wink-wink kind of business. You need to have relationships and do all these other things. You can't just be the guy in the back with a bunch of spreadsheets. That's the thing that Hinky forgot, was that sports survives on stories, not necessarily just winning. Winning is just one way to have the stories, which is the job to be done. Sports fans want to be optimistic about the future when their team is bad. They want to brag when their team is good. Sports fans need conversation oxygen. When it appeared that Philadelphia's fans didn't get that, Hinky was gone. Fortunately for him, that's for Jeff Luno, not Hinky, Luno got to see the Philadelphia process, and he reflected on the job to be done this way. I think it's important in our position, that's as a general manager of a sports team, we spend the requisite amount of time managing the stakeholders, the fans, the media, the influences in the organization, the ownership, all of those stakeholders. I spend a large part of my job managing those stakeholders. It all comes down to communication. What is Jeff Luno communicating? The stories. To fans, he gives hope. To staff, he gives reasons. To ownership, he gives strategy. That's the manager's job to be done. Who's going to buy fruit on a stick in a basket? Tariq Farid has always been an entrepreneur. His first business was a local flower shop, and his first business insight was that flower customers wanted to shop after work. As simple as it sounds, Fareed's Connecticut competition closed early, and that gave him a foot in the door. Flowers as a gift solve a certain job to be done. Flowers look nice, flowers smell nice, but they're also impermanent. Compare flowers with food, which also looks nice, smells nice, and is impermanent, and we see a unique job to be done. Like earlier when Ryan Singer contrasted the idea of adding caffeine to Milky Way and Snickers, we can contrast food and flowers to see the distinctiveness of each's job to be done. After Fareed grew his flower shop into a second, he expanded more and even created a software backend that he sold as a product. After years of work, he took his first vacation in a long time, it was a cruise, and saw something that became his next business idea. Fruit cut and arranged like flowers. He explained it this way on the How I Built This podcast. I saw all those arrangements and I started to dabble. I got a knife and started doing it. The same way we did for flower shops. You just experiment until you get it right. Fareed shared his prototypes. Friends thought it was a bad idea. His father even invited a college of business professor over to their house to talk Tariq out of the idea. However, customers loved it. The friends, the father, the professor were all thinking like economists rather than pragmatists, like we saw with Cinnabon. They probably noted that the fruit cost more, spoiled sooner, and was inconvenient to acquire. Who would choose that? However, those sticks of fruit cut up to look like flowers weren't hired for the same job to be done as a grocery store produce bin. Though the same product, the transformation changed the solution. This wasn't for nourishment, it was for pleasure. Fareed sold the first ones in Easter 1999. He offered a money-back guarantee if customers weren't wowed. Customers were. One so much so, he placed an order for a store. The man wanted to open a franchise in Boston. As of this writing, there are more than 1,000 edible arrangement franchises in eight countries. In an interview with Entrepreneur Magazine, Fareed shared his perspective on jobs to be done. Pick the right rival. Though you may believe your direct competitor is your rival, take a macro view of your industry and business category. You may be surprised to see that your true rival doesn't even offer the same goods and services, but rather something that captures customers' fancy. Feeling great. Many new products are scoffed at because they're different. However, when a new product succeeds, people praise it because it's different. Any approach that's different from the norm will bring results different from the norm, and this cuts both ways. It'll be something that's a total flop or something that's a huge success. To have a positive deviation, it takes a job to be done. Jen Hyman found a job in her sister's apartment on the weekend of Thanksgiving. She said this in her How I Built This interview. 
Becky, that's the sister, had just gone to a store and bought a dress that cost more than her rent, and as her responsible older sister, I remarked that she should probably wear one of her dresses in her closet again rather than go into credit card debt. Did you catch the key word there? Her responsible older sister. Remember, hacks, tweaks, or acts that appear illogical are all signs of a unique job to be done. Hyman had all that staring in her face. She explained, It was a light bulb moment for me because I realized I was having a conversation with my sister about the experience of wearing an amazing dress, of walking into a party, feeling self-confident, feeling beautiful. The job to be done was in wearing, not owning. Hyman got to work. She got a meeting with Jim Gold at Neiman Marcus. He thought the business was a good idea because people had been hacking his system for years. He told Hyman that people bought clothes, kept the tags on, wore it once, and then returned it to the store. So, with the strong connection to a job to be done, Hyman prototyped her idea. She said this, We went to Bloomingdale's and bought 100 dresses, all in R, that's Hyman and her co-founder Jennifer Fleiss's, sizes. So if this experiment didn't work out, we'd have an awesome new wardrobe. We spent a lot of our savings on this. We hosted a pop-up for Harvard undergrads. We invited a bunch of different groups. The idea behind it was to see if women will rent dresses, what will they rent, how much will they pay, what brands do they want, and most importantly, if they do rent, what happens to these dresses after they get rented. People love the idea. But more importantly, people paid for it. Someone on Hyman's email list had an at New York Times address. Figuring it was all upside if rent the runway was profiled, Hyman emailed that person with her story. And they were. With this influx of attention came a cash flow crunch. They needed more dresses, so Hyman and Fleiss set sail for Silicon Valley to raise money. There they had to pitch the job to be done to people who had never had this job. Men. The problem was compounded because for most of the venture capitalists, the wife was too rich, the daughter was too young, and the administrator was too old. Eventually, though, they got a deal. Job to be done is all about the customer. What's the need and can you solve it? It takes more empathy than ego. Hyman's insight began that day in her illogical sister's apartment. The Value City Cafe Before Andrew Glazer was the chief strategy officer for a furniture store, he invented something great. It was an adhesive that let golfers customize the top of their driver or three wood. The product collected awards and accolades from the golfing world, but one thing it didn't collect was orders. Glazer never had a meme moment, shut up and take my money, even though there was a job to be done. Golfers bought head covers, hats, and shirts, but for club crown, there wasn't enough energy that's Mesta's expression, to get people to commit. When jobs to be done are easy, people act. When jobs to be done are important, people act. When jobs to be done are difficult and superfluous, people don't. The club crown required dropping off the club and not having it and hoping that nothing happened to it. This business flopped, though it paid an experience, and hearing about jobs to be done created a light bulb moment for Glazer. Immediately after, he sent Mesta a message on LinkedIn. Mesta teaches a pushing and pulling approach that perfectly overlays Glazer's club crown experience. Do people want it enough, and is it easy enough to get? Learning about the jobs to be done framework, Glazer wanted to try it out immediately, and he returned to his employer, Value City Furniture. He started with the cafeteria. It was a good project because the cafe had no pushback from anywhere in the business. It was under Glazer's purview. That's good, Mesta said in their podcast together. Go find something no one can reject you for. Glazer waited, watched, counted, and then questioned. He found out that people hired the cafe for two reasons, comfort food and quick food. The problem was that they were over-serving the former. Mesta summed up the key change this way. It doesn't have to be delicious. It just has to be quick and sustaining enough so I'm not hungry in my next meeting. Employees did not want spaghetti and meatballs at work. They wanted spaghetti and meatballs at home and something at work that got them home in time for dinner with their family. Glazer made the change and it worked. Cafeteria metrics went up. Seeing that jobs to be done worked and having the practice, Glazer then went to the real business, selling mattresses. By now, we can see that selling mattresses isn't about selling coils, foam, counts, size, well, maybe size, or any other metric. Selling mattresses is about selling sleep. 
Once Glazer and his team focused on the job to be done, their sales increased. Coffee Crisp Part of what makes the job to be done approach so powerful is that reframing the job to be done can have really large effects. We just noted how Andrew Glazer sold the same product, only framed it differently. In his book, This I Know, Terry O'Reilly writes about the value of framing the job. Coffee Crisp wanted to increase sales. The brand analyzed the competition in the candy bar category and realized they were positioned as treats, but a treat only triggers an occasional purchase. So, Coffee Crisp decided to occupy the snack real estate in your mind. Therefore, when Coffee Crisp said it was a nice, light snack, it was vying for frequent usage, not monthly treats. Everything around Coffee Crisp is about how it's a snack, not a treat. And when messages are framed this way, people will hire this way too. We start and end this work by seeing the value of words and framing. Being hangry makes people reach for a Snickers. Sometimes all it takes to find the right job to be done is the right words. And that's a good investment. Thanks for listening.